0: Happy 4th of July weekend. I know it's a time that we celebrate uh, America's independence, a time that we have barbecue and some of us will go and watch uh, fireworks. It's a great time for us to be with family and friends. I thought today that we'd spend some time praying for our country, and we know that there's lots of good things going on, but we also know that our country has a lot of challenges. Would you take a moment just to pray for our country? Father, I just want to thank you uh, for being able to live in America. I thank you for the many good things that are happening. I thank you for your hand being at work. Uh, I know that many times in the media we hear about all of the bad things, but we know that you're working. And Lord, right now, I just lift up to you all of our leaders uh, on the national level, on the state level, on the local uh, level. And I just pray that your hand would give them wisdom and guidance, help them to make wise decisions. Lord, help us as we live in this country to be a light for you. In your precious holy name, amen. Have you ever been in one of those storms that just really scares you? I mean, one of those that, that, that your heart just kind of races because it's, it's not pleasant whatsoever. A few years ago, we were going on vacation and, and one of our first stop was Florida. And I remember getting up really early and and, uh, driving in the dark, and I think we were around Belmont. And all of a sudden, there was just this huge storm that was coming through. One of those storms where it was extremely windy, and so you were holding onto the steering wheel, and then the rain came, and you could not see hardly the car in front of you. I mean, this is how, how bad it was. Cars started slowing down to like 20 miles an hour. And I remember getting behind a UPS truck and just kind of using it as a guide. I, the safe thing would have been to uh, pull over on the side of the road and let the storm uh, blow through, but I'm not always the smartest guy. And in my mind, I wanted to get to Florida as fast as I could. And so I ended up following this uh, UPS truck, uh, white knuckling it. I mean, you know what, what I'm talking about. When, like, When you're driving, and you, you don't want. Uh, you're scared, and you're trying to hold on, and you can't really see, and you're just saying, "God, please take the wheel." Well, that's kind of uh, that's how this storm felt for me. Well, eventually the storm blew through, and it cleared up, and I could read on the back of the UPS truck. Finally, it said, "Driver in training," and I just thought to myself, "Wow, uh, what a driving experience!" Uh, for this truck driver. I was thankful for this truck driver because, again, it served as a guide for me for the road uh, so I can make sure I was staying on the road. Well, today we're going to talk about a storm. And sometimes in the midst of the storm, it feels like God is distant. And we know that His word says that He will never leave us or forsake us, but there are times that God feels like He's far away. In the Bible, we see some different examples of other people who felt that way. You look in Job chapter twenty-three, three. It says, "If only I knew where to find God, I would go to His court." You, you look at verses eight and nine of Job chapter twenty-three. It says, "I go east and He is not there. I go west and I cannot find Him. I go, I do not see Him in the north, for He is hidden. I look for, I look to the south, and He is concealed." It just seems like God is far away. I can't find him. And, and, and Job, that's, just, that's how he feels in the midst of his trials and tribulations. Psalm chapter 10, verse 1. O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I'm in trouble? Does it ever feel like for you that God's hiding when you're going through hard times? Psalm 38, 11, Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance, my God. Maybe it seems like God isn't hiding, but it doesn't seem like he's really close to you in the midst of the storm. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter six. We've been talking about some of the signs that Jesus performed in the book of John. And this is one of those stories, one of those stories that we see that God does amazing things where Jesus performs this sign. Just a little context. This is not the story of Jesus sleeping in the boat and there's a storm and the disciples are afraid and they wake up Jesus and he calms the storm. Sometimes Jesus does calm the storm, but this is not the story of Jesus calming the storm. And this is also not the story of where the disciples see something they can't make out and and, and Jesus says, it's me. And then Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on water for a few moments and then begins to sink. Sometimes Jesus does call us to step out of the boat, but this is not that story of Jesus calling us to step out of the boat. This is not the story of the fishermen cleaning their nets, and after they've been fishing in the boat, and Jesus caused them to leave their boats behind. Sometimes Jesus does call us to leave behind everything, but this is not that story of calling us to leave our boat. And in this story, Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And they're ready to make him a king by force. In John chapter 6, verse 15, it says, When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Which is interesting to me because Jesus has a way like when people are wanting him to do something or forcing him to do something All of a sudden he just disappears. I'm like all those eyes are on him I mean there was a huge crowd and he's able to somehow just slip away and We also know it was his normal practice to slip away and, and to unplug Verse 16 it says when evening came his disciples went down to the sea now when I hear the sea, uh, I, I think of a small ocean, but actually it's the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a large lake. It was about the 80th largest lake in America. Uh, or, I mean, if we were to compare it to America, it would have been the eighth, 80th largest lake. But the important thing about this lake is not the size, but its geography. It, it was surrounded by mountains. and this. Uh, This lake was known for bad weather. You had warm air hitting cold air, and it had some ferocious storms that would arise. Verse 17, it says, uh, The disciples got into the boat, and they started across the Sea of Caporneum, or the Sea of Galilee. It was now dark, and Jesus had not come to them yet, or he had not yet come to them. So it's dark and Jesus is not around. It's one of the few places in the Gospel of John that we see Jesus's temporary absence uh, from the story. Verse 18, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. We have this strong wind that's coming at them. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus on the sea coming near the boat and they were frightened. Of course, I think I would be too. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the, uh, at the land to which they were going. So the sea is rough, they're facing wind, they had only gone about three to four miles. And based on other gospel accounts, we know it's between three to six o'clock in the morning. Now keep in mind these were professional uh, fishermen. They knew how to sail a boat and so they're going and they're going and they're trying to get it to the other side and the wind is keeping them from doing it and we know that they'd be facing waves and it just wasn't a pleasant experience. Uh, They were probably exhausted. Uh, They had been fighting this all night long. It would have been a frightening experience. But then Jesus enters into the story, and our text says Jesus began, was walking on water. And, and you look at that and you're like, what? I mean, people don't normally walk on water. I mean, this is a miracle. This is a sign that Jesus performed to show who he was. Critics and skeptics have said, uh, said about this miracle that they tried to explain it, that he was surely just walking on the shoreline that he wasn't walking on water. Or maybe he was walking on a section of ice, or at the, the lake had iced over and he was walking on the ice. And that's how they have suggested that this miracle took place. But here's, here's the problem. We know that uh, he, he, if he was on the shore, how did he step into the boat? And John references this. Also, Mark chapter 6, verse 47 references how he stepped into the boat. Furthermore, if you look at the time period, the feeding of the 5,000 tells us it was around Passover, around springtime. And so this wouldn't have been a time that the uh, lake would have been frozen. On top of that, we know that the disciples are facing wind and and it's tough. And so it just doesn't make sense with a solid piece of ice that Jesus could have walked out of one. I believe that this was a miracle. This this was a sign that Jesus uh, did to show his power, that he's able, that he's in control of everything, uh, that he has the power to, to walk on water. That shouldn't be shocking to us by now after seeing all the other signs that he has performed. So Jesus walks out to meet these frightened disciples. And after meeting them, we actually see another miracle. There's actually two miracles here. It says immediately they came to shore. And so I don't know how that worked, but Jesus gets into the boat and then zoom, they're at at the shore. And I think that's fascinating in itself. I wanna take just a moment to get a little devotional with you. Sometimes Jesus leads us to, the, to dark and scary places. Sometimes Jesus leads us to dark and scary places. The disciples were in the dark, they faced wind, And Jesus had not yet come to them And so they ended up getting in this boat and they're going about this all by themselves And some of you you can relate to the disciples right now You kind of feel like you're in a dark scary place and you're facing wind and you're crying out Lord How long do I have to face this wind? You know some storms are short and then some are long and, and sometimes our problems don't get re- resolved quickly. Sometimes that illness is not cured quickly. Sometimes the depression lingers longer than what we want. Sometimes the darkness stays a long time. And we cry out, man, how long do I have to keep on going through all of these trials and tribulations? Notice what the disciples did in the storm. They kept on paddling. And some of you need to hear that as well. You need to keep on paddling. You're tired, you're worn out, and you're just like, man, I just don't know how much I have left in the tank. And could I just encourage you to keep on paddling, to not give up, to keep on persevering? Pastor Colin Smith points out, the life of the disciple is not a series of miracles. Yes, God does do miracles, but it's not the norm. And so as the disciples, we too must trust Jesus even when we can't see him. We may not be able to see Jesus, but he is still working in the midst of your darkness, in the midst of your storm. And so the question is, will we trust Jesus even when we don't see him in the midst of the storm? Secondly, in the dark and scary places that we face, we must remember these three things. First of all, Christ sees you. Christ sees you. Jesus may be beyond the range of your sight but you are never beyond the range of his sight. Jesus could see the disciples and he can see you and he knows what you're going through. And we must remember that Jesus can see us in the midst of our trials. Secondly, Jesus intercedes for you. Mark tells us in the story that Jesus went to pray. That's what he was doing while the disciples were out in the boat, facing the wind and facing the storm. And why, why he, And that's, that's the reason why he wasn't with the disciples. And, and I think we must remember that Jesus intercedes for us. R. M. McKinney said, If I could hear Jesus praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He's praying for me. Let me read that one more time. If I could hear Jesus Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Christ Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He knows what you're going through and he's interceding for you. And then lastly, Christ can reach you. There's no place that Jesus cannot reach you. You may face darkness and wind. You may face hard times. And it may not feel like you may feel like you've made a series of decisions that you're not good enough. But Jesus says, no, I can see you, I can reach you, I'm interceding for you. Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. The disciples didn't have to be afraid and you don't have to be afraid because Christ sees you, he knows what you're going through, he intercedes for you and he can reach you.